Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. So from the snow in Denver to the monsoon rainstorm in Mobile, Alabama. How are you, Mace? I'm drying off. How are you doing, my friend? I hope you're staying warm. I am. I mean, the the, the heat is on here. I'm feeling good. Danny, are you, are you feeling toasty? Yeah, I'm usually, I run hot, so I prefer the cold weather. You're talking about personality in terms of body temperature. <laughs> uh, body temperature. That's what I thought. We got a uh, lot to- Well, a little bit of both, I okay. guess. Mace, we got a lot to get to. You just want to get right to it? Uh, let's do it. Time let's now for it. the lead. The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Okay, the Broncos with a bunch of hires today. They have hired Packers tight ends coach Justin Outen to be the new offensive coordinator. Clint Kubiak is the new quarterback's coach, passing game coordinator. Kubiak, of course, you know the last name. He does come from the Shanahan system, from what I understand. Uh, previously, the Vikings offensive coordinator, helping Kirk Cousins have one of the best seasons of his career. And per Mike Kliss, the Broncos are in the process of hiring Butch Berry, and I believe that has become official. He is the new yeah. offensive line coach. He replaces Mike Munchak. Uh, Berry coached with the with uh, Nathaniel Hackett, with Outen in Green Bay in 2020. And he spent last year as Kyle Shanahan's assistant offensive line coach with the 49ers. Kliss is also reporting the Broncos plan to hire Rams secondary coach and passing game coordinator Eero Evero as the defensive coordinator after the Super Bowl. In the meantime, Akib Tlaib gave Evero a ringing endorsement as he played, I don't want to say for, but with, because... Evero was on the Bucks and the Rams coaching staff when uh, El-Kib Tlaib was there. And this is what he had to say about uh, Evero possibly being the new defensive coordinator. He's been around a long time in Tampa. He was quality control. He was with Raheem Morris. He is smart as hell. He was way more involved in our passing game in L.A., he is a classroom guy, in with all the coaches, really scheming stuff, grinds hard, been around some great coaches like Raheem Morris, Monty Kiffin, John Gruden, Sean McVay, Vic Fangio. It's about time that he put all that stuff that he's been learning into his own defense, and I'm really happy for him. So Broncos coaching staff, Mace, coming together, and what do you think overall? Uh, you know what? I think the general theme here is young because yep. you, you go, Clint Kubiak is the only one who has been a play caller before. Clint Kubiak turns 35 next month. Butch Berry, he's 42. And Justin Outen, he's 38 years old. Nathaniel Hackett is 42. The, the, this, this, is, this is what it's about. Younger minds, what the Broncos hope are, fresher ideas. Well, it's funny because a lot of people want people off the McVeigh tree or the Shanahan tree. Every single hire that I just mentioned has had experiences with Kyle and with Sean McVeigh. 
Every single one. Yeah. Got what you wanted, Broncos country. You got what you wanted. So youth of this staff, you mentioned the ages of Hackett, Outen, and Kubiak. How much does the youth excite you? We're going to get into the experience and the age a little bit later. But Hackett talked a lot about relating to players. And we know there was a disconnect between Shermer and Fangio with the players. How much do you think this will help specifically on offense? I mean, I hope, I think it'll help tremendously on offense. I think kind of an interesting thing here is um, if you think about it this way, if Dan Quinn had been the hire and there would, then we would have been focused on who the, the offensive coaches are. Okay. Like what, how's that side going to run? I mean, uh, with the exception of Evero, we're talking about offensive coaches for an offensive coach. So we're still kind of getting a grasp on uh, on things on the defensive side. I think there will be some experience, but I don't. But it'll probably be at the p- position coach. And look, you can be older and relate to players well. I mean, for example, you know, two members of the defensive staff that go back to Gary Kubiak, uh, they're in their sixties. Reggie Herring, inside linebackers coach. Bill Kolar, defensive line coach. How about, wait, I mean, hold they're, on. They're, t- they're tough coaches, but they have never had, but there's never been a problem with them relating to younger players. Neither does Bruce Arians, and he won a Super Bowl last year. Right, yeah. You can go, and he's he, one of the oldest guys in the league. Pete Carroll might be 70 years old, but he doesn't act like it. So right. age, age is just a number, but I do. but I do think that the style, the style that Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer had, didn't co- as coaches, didn't connect. Like one thing that we that we we gathered is that there wasn't a connection problem with position coaches to Broncos players. There was a connection problem at the coordinator level, specifically, kind of as you got to Shermer and Vic Fangio connecting. This should remedy that, you'd think. Well, you talked about uh, guys around the coaching staff last year. One guy who will not be more than likely on the coaching staff this year is Mike Munchak. Um, they, they have a new offensive line coach. It is a different system. But forget about Munchak as an offensive line coach. Let's just talk about him in terms of his experience, being a former head coach, being around the league for a long time. What we haven't seen is Hackett hire someone who you can make the case would be a great sounding board. I remember when Sean McVay was hired by the Rams, and everyone said, man, the guy's so young. Well, who was one of his first hires? Wade Phillips. And he said many times, being able to lean on Wade during certain times during the season was important to him. Are you concerned that from what we have seen so far, yeah, young and the restless is great. I love all this youthful energy. I love the connections with the Shanahan and McVay coaching trees. But are you concerned that Hackett doesn't have a guy as of right now that he could probably lean on during the season in-house? Not yet. I'll wait to see the entire staff before I have any concern. The other thing is, even though Nathaniel Hackett's father wasn't an NFL head coach, he was a college head coach. That's Paul Paul Hackett, and he was a longtime NFL coordinator. And we know that he's, he's... He's close to his father, even though he calls himself a mama's boy, that he's he's close to his father, is in constant communication with with Paul Hackett. And I wonder if for Nathaniel Hackett that Paul Hackett kind of fills that role that an older assistant coach 
uh, might fill for a Sean McVay? Well, you know what? Um, I, I, I can take it one of two ways. I think it's important to have somebody on staff, not someone who you give a phone call to after the game is over. Let's look at the relationship between Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan. Those that don't know this, I'll give you some information that is, forget about well-reported, I just know it to be fact. Make no mistake about it, Mike Shanahan has a large influence on that 49ers organization because not only is he in constant communication with his son Kyle, Mike is out at the 49ers facility a lot. Not like once a month. I'm talking about he is out there a lot. With that, I'm referring to in-game stuff, right after game stuff, that you have a veteran presence in case Hackett, as they say about waiters and waitresses, get in the weeds in the middle of a game. Mm -hmm. Because Paul Hackett's not going to bring that if he's just going to be a phone call after the game to his son. Right. And that's, and again, I, I, I just... I'm not going to get upset about it or no, there's no, know, no, it's not about getting upset until I, see the whole, until I see the whole staff. That's the thing. I, I mean, I, I just, you know, it's sort of the, the nature of sports talk radio. We have to react right, right away. But I mean, we're talking about, we're, we're talking about that. They announced three coaches today and we have a good idea who a fourth is going to be. And that's the Evero, the defensive uh, coordinator and Corey to Mike Cliss, uh, they are the Broncos are one of the teams that is interested in hiring uh, Dwayne Stukes, the Rams' assistant special teams coach, who actually has a Colorado connection because he played for the Colorado Crush in the Arena League back uh, in the 2000s. So we're, we're we're seeing with this staff, with the exception of Clint Kubiak, a lot of people who are stepping up into bigger roles than they've had. I would. That's where and and I. I really do hope that there is some there there is some experienced hand there, and the, the question is: Does it need to be a former head coach, or can it be an assistant who has just seen everything? And I'll and I'll ask you this: Let's say Bill Kolar stays. Is he enough, or would you rather have somebody who's been a head coach to be that sounding board? Well, I'd rather have a former head coach, but a former head coach is not going to be the assistant defensive secondary coach. I mean, well, like I said, Wade Phillips was hired to be the defensive coordinator. The top lieutenants of a head coach are the coordinators, and those jobs are likely going – one has been filled. The other one's likely going to be filled with a guy who's certainly qualified to, to leave game a ringing endorsement. But generally speaking, the head coach doesn't spend a lot of time having conversations with the defensive line coach. It is just further down in the pecking order. Do I think it's important to have a veteran or two – when things go a little bit sideways, specifically in-game, I do think it's important. I'm not going to panic over it. If that's the way Hackett wants to do his job, that's fine. I would recommend it. I would recommend it. But now that the two coordinator positions, one is filled, and the other one is likely going to be filled with a guy who's never been a coordinator either in Evero, I don't, I don't know what you're really going to do. No head coach is going to come here to be the running backs coach. Okay, let me ask you this because this is you. This I'm, I'm putting. I'm just kind of trying to read the tea leaves here. But what if that assistant head coach were Doug Marone? No, just you don't want him. Al no, no, who just uh, left Alabama. Uh, that's fine. No, you don't want Doug Marone in the building. 
You can pick any other guy. Pick, pick John Gruden. You could sh- shoot. You could pick Urban Meyer. Do not put Doug Marone in the building. He no, is not well liked. Listen, if, hold if, on. If me, Daniel Hackett picks him, that's bad. That's You're very bad because I can tell you from somebody who I talked to in Buffalo who who worked very closely with him and knew him well. Doug Marone is an is a, is an interesting guy, a difficult guy, and not a guy you want in your building. Let's just get that clear. So, if Nathaniel Hackett hired Doug Marone, you'd think less of Nathaniel Hackett's judgment. I would. I would not think very highly of the decision. But I'll put it to you this way: there are a lot of great executives who have made bad decisions. But I'm not going to hold it against Steve Jobs with what he did with Apple, considering he probably hired some people he probably regrets. Right? That's fair. That's fair. Yes. Yeah. You don't judge somebody on one decision, just like you don't judge one player on one game or one coach on one game. But I think it would be a mistake to bring in Doug Marone from what what I've been told about him personally. It's not that he's a bad guy. He's yeah. an interesting guy. He, it's, it's not that he's not well-liked, but he's not going to endear himself to anybody. Yeah, because like, one thing like that was I, I was looking at the Packers staff and, and thinking, okay, is there something we can learn from Matt LaFleur's Packers staff, the one that Nathaniel Hackett uh, came from? And they did have a former head coach on the staff, and uh, that was uh, Mike Pettin who was the defensive coordinator, of course, had been the Browns head coach a few years earlier. Well, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Mike Patton part of the Doug Marone tree? Yes. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, he worked with he he was the defensive coordinator for Marone in Buffalo in 2013 and then moved on to become the Browns head coach. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who they'd bring in, whoever to be, it'd be further down the line. But to your point, we will wait and see. Coming up after the break, we're not going to talk about the rain in Mobile, Alabama, because you're not going to get any empathy here. People are sliding all over the roads. So deal with your slicker, Mace. I don't care that your notepad got wet. You're down there to gather information. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks. And is my understanding, two guys stood out in the rain and the wind And I have a feeling the Broncos are going to be looking at both of those guys closely when it comes to the draft. That's next. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my friend Heather Taylor and her team at Impact Commercial Real Estate. She had a nine-person team. It has grown to 12 because she is busy and she's doing great work. And her crew, man, do they think out of the box. They're creative. They're thoughtful in the way they put together deals. They are not cookie cutter like so many other commercial real estate brokers in town. And their brokers are ranked top 10 in the Denver metro area. These are the people that you want to go with, whether you're buying, you are selling, or releasing. Let impact make an impact for you. And I promise you, 
Heather and her team will do that. Go to impactcommercial.co. That's impactcommercial.co. Uh, Mace, before we get to the buzz, I was thinking about something that I said about Doug Marone in the last segment. I'd be surprised if Marone comes here. Of course, I'm sure I'll be wrong. But remember, it's Marone who fired Hackett in Jacksonville. And very rarely do you hire someone who fired you. And from what I understand, the way it ended, Hackett was not only disappointed, but stunned that he was let go. He was stunned that he was let go, and it, there, there was some organizational pressure. I mean, it just depends how much bygones that have been bygones. But look, like I said, the experience that Nathaniel Hackett could lean on, it doesn't. It, it may not have to come from an ex-head coach, and that's why I think, in particular, I look at Reggie Herring and Bill Kolar's people. And Kolar, if he wants to, because he's going to be seven year, seventy years old later this year, right? It, as two people who could provide that sounding board, especially because you look around that staff, who's got rings that matters too. Right. By the way, we have some breaking news and new Raiders head coach, Josh McDaniels could be the gift that keeps on giving. If he has not turned around the way he treats people, he said he is going to, and he has learned from his mistakes. He said that it is introductory press conference, but let's just say for the sake of argument, it's the same old Josh McDaniels. Then Josh is the gift that keeps on giving because guess who he's interviewing Mace for his special teams coordinator job. Tom McMahon. He is the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. Josh <laughs> McDaniels and Tom McMahon on the same staff. Josh Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. Okay, Mace, you are at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama. And while the weather here in Denver, generally speaking, is very good, every once in a while we can get some wind that picks up. And I think it's important to find a quarterback who can throw in the wind, a guy with a strong arm. We saw that with Josh Allen for the majority of the season this year. Everybody would love a strong arm like him. And there are a couple of guys out there at the Senior Bowl that had their arms tested in the wind in the rain, and from what I understand, picket and strong impressed. Yes, they did. This was the, uh, or, or actually, it was Malik Willis and Carson Strong. I apologize. I meant Willis, yes. not not picket. Willis. Yeah. Malik Willis out of Liberty playing, uh, practicing this afternoon, and then this morning it was Carson Strong from Nevada, who of course played for Jay Norvell, now the head coach at uh, at CSU. Now it's no surprise that. When the conditions get bad, the two strongest arms are going to have the best day. The thing that I was encouraged by, beyond the fact that they were able to solve the riddle of the capricious elements down here at Senior Bowl practice, I was impressed by the decision-making that both Strong and, and Willis made. And I'm, 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 I, was watching a, I was watching a play of Carson Strong in the red zone, and quickly going through his progressions and identifying that the open man is the running back in the flat, it's a sure touchdown if it's not dropped. But the ability to kind of to, to get to that, to get off his first read, get through his progressions quickly and find and find that man just because it was dropped doesn't mean he didn't do his job. 
Malik Willis, I think that one of the things that's encouraging to me, not only making some good decisions out there, but also he hasn't worked under center. And we're see- and most of these guys haven't done much work under center. Kenny Pickett out of pit has a little bit more uh, work under center in, in his background, so it's a little easier for him. But you know, Carson Strong's an air raid quarterback. Malik Willis played under Hugh Freeze at, at Liberty. They're all shotgun. So today, one of Malik Willis's best plays under center, play fake boot to the left, looks looks downfield. He's got the tight end flashing open, makes makes the quick throw. Another thing about Malik Willis today, he doesn't drift in the pocket. He he when he's dropping back from under center, he drops back. He climb he naturally climbs the pocket and then was willing to take off when nothing was there. He identified the coverage quickly, and if he sees man coverage, he's going to take off. So the, that they did well in the, in the conditions was expected because they have arm talent, but the decision-making, I think, is something that teams are really going to take note of because that's an improvement for both guys. Well, if there's one guy off the top of my head who <clears throat> didn't spend really any, if at any time, under center in college was Paxton Lynch, but I digress. With that, let's look at the Broncos coaching staff and let's look at these quarterbacks. And we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this as we get closer to the draft, if indeed the Broncos are going after a quarterback. But let's be fair here. that Just because you have a coaching staff that you like, that is young and creative, does not mean they're going to develop a quarterback. Right now, people up in Green Bay are very worried about Jordan Love. And you have LaFleur and Hackett and Getze up there who have not been able to get the best out of Jordan Love, and I think that's one reason why the Packers are dying to keep Aaron Rodgers. But with that, looking at Kubiak as the quarterback's coach who would probably like to play under center, you know, that, that that's his background specifically with his dad, and then you have Hackett, and then you have Outen, all kind of with the same system. Which of these quarterbacks do you think would fit well best with the system the Broncos will be putting in place. Are we talking of the two that did well today or the all six there? All down? six. Kenny Pickett. Mm, that's what I'm pick. hearing. I'm hearing that, that that I'm hearing, this is what I heard mm-hmm. months ago, uh, about a month or two months ago, that George Payton, he kind of liked Kenny Pickett. Before the coaching staff was even hired. This is when Vic Fangio yeah. was still the head coach. But why pick it? Uh, I think he's he's a little more ready. He's had uh, he's had the most, even though Jay Norvell has some pro-style concepts that he'll help, that he'll incorporate in his offense, it's still an air raid scheme. Um, what Kenny Pickett ran at Pitt with uh, Mark Whipple, who's uh, since left, he's actually moved on to Nebraska to guide their, their offense and their passing game. Uh, that's it. Translates the best. Translates the best. I think the other thing, when Nathaniel Hackett last Friday was asked about the characteristics he's looking for in a quarterback, yep. he said intelligent and tough. And with all respect to the six quarterbacks here, the guy who is nearest the top in both categories right now is Kenny Pickett. Here's the only problem with Kenny Pickett. He absolutely has the worst last name for a quarterback because every time he throws an interception, what do you think the headline is going to be all over Twitter? 
Oh gosh. I know. They picked it. Yep. They, they picked sh- it. They sure did. Right. Oh, it's too, it's too easy. I, I feel sorry for the guy, but at least then we're not talking about, uh, his hand side, because that's the other thing of these six quarterbacks. He was the only one who did not have his hand measured. How did he throw today? How did he throw today? He threw not fine, not great, good decision, good decision-making, but again, a day. And this is part of it. He doesn't have the cannon that like Malik Willis has a cannon. All right. He's uh, the, the, the ball, but you know what? Not not every quarterback with a cannon can play. It is about decision making. Yeah. I was in, I was intrigued and encouraged by some of the things Malik Willis today. I've also seen a lot of poor decisions from him on the film, and there were a lot of poor decisions made by Malik Willis when George Payton saw him in person when Liberty played Mississippi back in November, and he detoured. From, Bronc- from Broncos Cowboys that weekend, made a detour over to Oxford, Mississippi to go watch Matt Corral, who isn't here because he's not senior bowl eligible, even though he's draft draft eligible. And and you could and you could watch that and maybe be a, a bit concerned. Now, George Payton also saw Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell, who is also down here, uh, in a Pitt, North Carolina game in November, and that seeing that probably would have given him a more encouraging perspective on on Kenny Pickett in terms of his decision making again like the fact that he's thinking intelligent and tough that Hackett is in terms of the quarterback that he's searching for uh that tells you that arm that raw arm talent isn't at the top of of the list which is not which is actually not surprising and i think most quarterback coaches would probably go to things like intelligence toughness i know processor is something that 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 is brought up by a, a lot Wait, of did you say a lot of people groups. are looking for that a lot a lot of quarterback coaches right how about a lot of gms are they looking for that depends on the gm how about john elway John Elway yeah. looking John for that? Elway would have looked for the cannon. He would have he he'd be saying right? Malik Willis. He'd say, "What you talking about, Willis? Here he, is your jersey." He would for it would be Malik Willis or Carson Strong for John Elway. No question. Uh, who else impressed? Now, who else impressed you today? Well, I mean, another it was. Um, I mean, besides that, I really like because of the rain, I haven't had a chance to kind of dive into like what guys did in the line drills and all that. So I've been kind of focused on the quarterbacks because that's what I that's what I'm writing about. So Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, a little a little bit better. One thing I did like is uh, about him uh, when he's on the move, he's directing traffic of his of his of his, of his downfield blockers. Like he set up a twenty-yard scramble, and you can see him, kind of, and he's kind of yelling and pointing. He's he's guiding his guys downfield to help create the best the best alley for him. So that that was something impressive uh, on his part today that that I I liked an awful lot. Um, a lot of drop passes in general. Yeah, but well, I think you can, oh, you can you can chalk that up to you know who did drop a pass? Who Trey McBride? He made the catch of the day. Yeah. He, he had did, the catch of the that, day that in traffic there. behind him. Yes, and it was not. It was from Kenny Pickett. It wasn't a great throw, but again, right. if you're th- but here, but here's the deal: when it's twenty mile an hour wind and yep. it's rain, and you give your guy a chance to catch the ball downfield, like mm-hmm. he gave, like he gave McBride, 
that's a good throw in that situation. And so Pickett got it there, and then uh, McBride with a real nice ag- adjustment. This is this is two days in a row that Trey McBride has made plays, and I think this has been a good a good week for him because it was a chance for him to separate himself from the other tight ends. You know, Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin is another guy people are talking about, but McBride is to me, at least to my my set of eyes, he's the head of the class at tight end, and I think after these two days of practice so far. Would not be surprised if he sneaks into the first round. All right, coming up after the break, got some good news, bad news. Nuggets fans, Nikola Jokic named the Western Conference Player of the Month. That's the good news. The bad news is, arguably his main competition was named the Eastern Conference Player of the Month for the second time this season. Uh Uh-oh, how much do you think an award like this is going to affect the MVP voting? We'll talk about that next. Some people call me the Space Cowboy Yeah Some call me the Gangster of Love Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason Presented by Silter Har Mazda A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda Find them at sthmazda.com Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk Here's Eric and Andrew Welcome back, Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us, MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mon Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Impact Real Estate. Impact Real Estate is creative real estate and solutions with the greatest impact. Go to ImpactCommercial.co. Nikola Jokic, Western Conference Player of the Month. Congratulations to him. That's good news, Nuggets fans, right? Well, it is, unless you consider Joel Embiid was named the Eastern Conference Player of the Month for the second time this season, and I believe the second month in a row. How much do you think these type of honors, Mace, are going to affect the MVP voting? Well, they'll have an impact. I don't know if they're going to have as much impact, at least when you talk about getting to those who are voting, as um, as as Nikola Jokic having an otherworldly PER will. But they could have an impact. Of course, November, Western Conference Player of the Month was Steph Curry. December, Donovan Mitchell. January, it, January of course, you have Jokic winning it. I mean, to me, it's it sort of, it sort of reflects how, not that the East lacks for quality stars, but the West is a little deeper in terms of quality stars than the East is. So I think that's I, I think it's it's a function of that as much as anything else. This would be my argument for Nicole Jokic, and I can make a lot of arguments for him. For starters, when it comes to who's been the better overall player, well, clearly Embiid's the better defensive player. I don't think any reasonable person would argue that. But as far as if you're just going to go strictly by player efficiency rating, I've said this before, but I'll repeat it. The gap between Jokic, who right now is number one all time, all time, and his gap between himself and Giannis is larger than the gap between Giannis and who is currently number 17th all time in NBA history. That's how big the gap is between one and two. So in terms of just 
player production, Jokic has been better. So well, some people say, but who's the most valuable player? Who can you least afford to lose? Well, Embiid has had Tobias Harris the entire season. Who has Jokic had consistently that's really good this season? Because I'm still waiting for an answer. Yeah, it's, you've had, you've had uh, I mean, MPJ was not doing all that well before he got hurt. You've had bursts from Aaron Gordon, but he is strictly a supplemental player. He is. A, perfect, a, a, a perfectly good supplemental player, but that's all he is. It's 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 Jokic and you know it's 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 like a, it's it's like the Michael it's like the early Michael Jordan era Bulls right yep before Scottie Pippen showed up it's 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 my it was Michael and a bunch of guys and with all respect to Aaron Gordon at least from a national perspective the the Nuggets right now are Jokic and a bunch of guys Jokic is leading the Nuggets in every major statistical category he is leading them in minutes points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks, and turnovers. So he's leading them everywhere. Well, he's Of course, I mean, he's handling the ball. He has to have the ball so much, it's only natural he's going to lead it in turnovers, right? right? He right. just has the ball more often. Will Barton is averaging 15 points a game. Aaron Gordon is averaging 15 points a game. Tobias Harris is averaging 19. Tyrese, Ty, uh, Tyrese Maxey is averaging 17 points a game. So certainly Embiid is getting a lot of help on the offensive end. Not to mention Harris is a pretty good rebounder as well. And as far as Aaron Gordon goes, he's not as good of a rebounder, if we're being completely honest, as Harris. Harris is a much better player than anybody else the Nuggets have on their roster. I'd almost say by far, by far, other than Jokic. He's had help. And don't tell me about Ben Simmons not being there. Ugh. I mean, it's Philadelphia is, with all respect to the Nuggets, Philadelphia is a far more is far closer to being a complete team than 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 the Nuggets are at, at this point. The fourth far, leading scorer on close. the Sixers is Seth Curry. He's averaging sixteen points a game. Who yes. do the Nuggets have that does that? Um, huh. As a matter of fact, Seth Curry has more points per game than Will Barton, who's the Nuggets' second-leading scorer. Oh, my gosh. How do you like that? I mean, this is – and people – and this is why if it gets into a discussion of how good the team is – and it shouldn't, okay? It's about the player, right? MVP is a a player award, and there are metrics from – from Denver to Colorado Springs and back that show just how valuable he is and that the, that the Nuggets, without him, would probably be the worst team in basketball. I would agree. And maybe one of the worst teams in in the history of the NBA if the metrics are being No, are no, no. They wouldn't even be the worst team in the history of the franchise. Yo, you're saying that the, uh, 02, the 03 team would be worse? Um. Well, the, the, the hardest working. What team won eleven team games? Isn't there a team that won eleven games? Yeah, there, well, there, I know the O three team. I think won like eighteen. One, but there was an eleven win team in the nineties, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. 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 All right, That's what fair, have... but it's but Go it's ahead. a ba- It would have. It would be a bad team. I mean, right? If if not for if if Jokic were hurt, we're talking about lottery picks. 
Yeah. Yeah. We are. And and maybe and not just lottery picks. We're talking about can the Nuggets win the lottery? That's 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 where we'd be right now without him. You know what? That'd be great if Jokic went out and they were the worst team in the league. You know why? Because then you could potentially have a combo like the Spurs uh-huh. had with David Robinson and Tim Duncan. Oh yeah. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna stink, do what the, the Spurs did back in ninety seven and go for the gusto. Mean mean tank like Steven Ross? What do we have coming up <laughs> on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? Oh, by the way, and Jimmy Haslam. We'll get into that later on in the show. The Washington football team has announced their new nickname and uh, some new branding to go along with it. And the U.S. men's national team is back on the pitch tonight in freezing temperatures. Soccer in freezing temperatures. We'll talk about all that next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, CONCACAF uh, World Cup qualifying continues tonight. The U.S. men's national team taking on Honduras at Alliance Field in St. Paul, Minnesota. 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time kick for that game. Um, it's supposed to be in the very low single digits <laughs> in Minnesota tonight. So maybe an advantage for the U.S. men's national team, but I can't imagine it's much of an advantage for anyone playing soccer in that type of uh, cold. The weather right now in Minneapolis, Minnesota is 8 with a wind chill of minus 14. Oh, it's actually colder in St. Paul, where the, it's four degrees. No, that's what I said. That's that's thinking. the weather, right? At least maybe we're not yeah. reading the same uh, weather website. It is cold. Yeah. I was watching Honduras warm up, and they were yeah. bundled up. Yeah, this is, but I mean, this is something that actually it goes back a couple of decades. Um, in the lead up to the O2 World Cup in uh, Japan and South Korea, the U.S played Mexico on a frigid night in Columbus, Ohio, and won 2-0, which was the start of the whole Dosa Zero thing that the U.S. and Mexico have because the U.S., when they beat Mexico, commonly beats Mexico by 2-0, by two basically. So 
ever since then, when you've had the U.S. national team at home in the winter against their opponents from warmer climes, they'll play games like this. There was the game back in uh, 2013, the Snow Classico, out at Dick's Sporting Goods Park that was played in a raging snowstorm. Uh, so this is the type of thing that they, they try to set up. But even by these standards, playing in single-degree weather with a wind chill that, like you said, is going to be in the mid-teens, even this is taking it to a new extreme. It's not going to be comfortable for anybody, but certainly there's the hope that there are a few more players on the U.S. that are at least accustomed to something like this. But, I mean, generally speaking, you don't see soccer matches anywhere in the world played in weather this cold. I mean, usually they say the pitch is frozen and they don't play the match. I'm going to go this, ahead and play on tonight in St. Paul. I'm going to throw this question out to both of you. What would be more difficult to play? And I'm talking about the game of soccer that requires a lot of physical energy as you are running up and down or you are falling when you're really not hurt. But I digress. Weather like this or it's 110 degrees with 100% humidity. What's, what's, what are more difficult conditions? I'll put that to both of you. Uh, you know what? There's one reason why I think I'm going to say you said 110 with 100% humidity. Yep. I mean, that that is, that is extreme. Cramping. Yep. And right. not only that, that, you can to some degree, you can't be comfortable, but there's nothing to stop you. And this is a football player trick from putting a scuba suit on underneath your uniform and play and playing and and that can kind of, and again you are running around there are things you can do to get to at least be semi-functional in this weather but there is nothing you can right. do in what you say is 110 degree temperature with 100 percent humidity or that's, just really hot or that's pl- how, yeah. pl- playing in miami Play, you know, playing in oh. Miami in August. I remember uh, you and I were probably both at the same yes. game. The Broncos were playing Miami in the opener, and the Broncos just melted away in that oh, yeah. game. I remember that well. Were you there at the Tampa Bay game the year before? It was like the same kind of heat. I was not. Um, that was my first okay. weekend on the job at Fox 31, okay. and I was here in Denver. The, the thing I will never forget, that was the John Lynch return game. Yep. And I will never forget there were, there were dozens of players in the back of the airplane on the way home from that game getting IVs. Yeah. Because they were because they got so because they were so dehydrated by having to play in that heat humidity. It was I mean that that was like and I know like people who went to the game literally they saw they they, they left the stands on mass and saw shade because it was so brutally uncomfortable that day. Just in case you missed it, the Washington football team has announced their new nickname they are now the Washington Commanders. Your thoughts, your reactions? Did you see uh, the announcement video from the team? Yeah, I saw it. Um, you know what? Commanders is an interesting choice because, I mean, there are, I believe, in the Navy, there are three higher ranks than that. I mean, it, wouldn't you want it to have been more admirals? Washington Commanders does not roll off the tongue as a name. It's a lot of syllables. Washington commanders six syllables it's not very snappy it lends itself to 
Weisenheimers like myself shortening commanders to commies. <laughs> Go commies! It, 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 I, and, and the uniforms, I think, by an, there's an all-black uniform that's terrible. Their white uniform doesn't, it, it's just red and black, and it looks like a reject from the Arizona Cardinals. I you, think that everything about this was a swing and a miss. Well, not compared to what they could have done. Did you just say, Danny, why didn't they go higher in the rankings in terms of the military? Why didn't they go higher? That was Mace that said that. Yeah, well, I'll yes. tell you why. Because the generals are already taken, and you don't want to be associated with the Washington generals. Do you? The team well, that, like I, no, the team that I loses admiral. by 100 I, to the Globetrotters every time? I said be the admirals, not the, not the generals. Yeah, don't be the generals. All right, that was Mountain yeah. High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, Manny just got a stackable washer and dryer from them. She had a great experience to them. There was a little bit of a hiccup where it was dented, and uh, the guys who delivered it saw this before they brought it in the house, and she said, no, you can bring it to the house. And they said, no, that's not the way we work. We're not going to give you anything that has a small dent in it. They brought it back there. Next day, she talked to customer service, and she could not have been any happier with the way the people worked at Mountain High Appliance. Nothing is perfect in life, but boy, did they handle it the right way. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, Ryan Flores made the media rounds today talking about his lawsuit against the NFL. One of them talking about the owner, Stephen Ross of the Dolphins, paying him potentially to lose games. That's the allegation. Now, another coach has come out and said, my owner offered me money. To lose games. Really? That's next. Nice.